This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am joined by a first timer, Chris Van Vliet. Very fun name to say, by the way, Chris. I saying it out loud. And thank fun. you for getting it right. I really appreciate that, Chase. Thank you. And you're right. I'm a Chase Thomas podcast virgin. So thank you for uh, helping me pop the cherry here. <laughs> <laughs> um, do so. A lot of people fuck up Van Fleet. How oh, do we yeah. do it? Oh my goodness, uh, Van Vliet, because oh, it's okay. V L I E T. So and people and I'm from Canada. So people are like, oh, it must be French. Mm. Uh, Van Vliet. Van Vliet. Um, Van Violet, I've heard. Uh, so yeah, many different variations. I mean, if my ancestors had been smart, and I'm not saying they weren't smart, but if they had wanted to make things easier for me and my family, they would have just spelled my last name V-L-E-E-T. You know, like the Toronto Raptors player, right. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Or you could um, just take a take a, a note from uh, Vince McMahon and just drop the Van Vliet and just be Chris. <laughs> yeah, or just be Van. Mm. Yeah, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of normal people named Van. Yep, I've been I've, I've been thinking about that, uh, and it might happen. <laughs> I get it's so it's it's really stupid that I am 28 years old and I get angry every single week. I see Ali come on the screen. It's just Ali and Andrade, and how much I hate. Like I think that one's by far the worst of all the name changes, just because Mustafa Ali was just such a badass name, and there's just no. <laughs> No rationale for that. I It drives me nuts every week. I agree. And I think the only thing that might possibly make sense in Vic, Vince McMahon's brain is yeah, that Lion King movie is coming out and the bad guy's named Mustafa. So, is that? Uh, does, does, that's, has Vince watched The Lion King? Is, what are the chances <laughs> of that? I, I don't think so. <laughs> Actually, the bad guy's not even Mustafa. It's, I don't know. You know it's what I'm Mufasa, saying? No. Yeah. Mufasa, yeah. So and he's I feel a like guy, it's, by the way. So yeah, he is. he's the father, of, right? He's the one who falls off. Spoilers. Um, oh, jeez, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one who has the James Earl Jones voiceover. That's that's it. Yeah. Well, I really botched all that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. Well, but the Vince impression would hopefully let people forget that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I first started following you 
I guess a couple years ago with your wrestling interviews because it's not I was just first just trying to figure out like how you were able to pull this off getting all these people <laughs> in person and just having Dolph Ziggler on like a billion times um <laughs> How did you get kind of in that circle or get to the point where all these guys trusted you? Because um, I know WWE is very guarded with their talent and where they can appear and you have to get cleared to get on their podcast and you have to like go through the actual um, PR people and they may or may not. Okay. Like um, I, how did this work for you? And it's been, you know, a super slow process, but for me having that background in broadcasting, you know, I'm, I'm on TV, uh, here in Miami, I'm, I'm on the Fox station here, channel seven, I'm on an entertainment show called Deco drive. And I've been now in broadcasting for 15 years, like straight out of college, I started my broadcasting career. So that helped a lot. Like I think WWE likes when someone has an outlet. So the fact that I have a TV outlet and, you know, this is one of the outlets I've worked for over the years, but it's my relationship with WWE started when I was in Vancouver. So I was like 23 at the time. I did my first ever wrestling interview with Bobby Lashley. I'm so glad that nobody has the tape of this because it was you know, not very good. Um, uh, and then I kind of like, it kind of just grew from there. Like every time WWE was in town and wherever I was working or whatever station I was working for, I would reach out to them and say, Hey, I, I see you guys are here in two months. You know, is there a superstar that we could interview? And that's kind of how it started. I would just do whoever they had in town. And the crazy thing about doing news and I'm on a news station now is, uh, you know, you do an interview with one of these wrestlers and you air 20 or 30 seconds of a soundbite and that's it. And when I was working in Cleveland, um, I, I was working in Cleveland from 2010 to 2015, which kind of ties into how I became, you know, friendly with Dolph Ziggler. We would air like 30 seconds of these interviews and I'd think, well, we did like a 10, 15, 20 minute interview. There was some really good stuff in there. And as a fan, I selfishly just asked some questions. I kind of want people to, you know, be able to share this with me. And I just threw it on YouTube, not really thinking anything of it. My YouTube channel had like, I don't know, like four subscribers and barely any views. And that was really how it all began. I did an interview with the Miz. He was about to throw the first pitch out for the Cleveland Indians game. And we talked about, uh, CM Punk had just dropped the pipe bomb and Miz said something along the lines of it being the most exciting time in wrestling since the attitude era. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Threw the interview up on my YouTube channel, which once again, had like four subscribers. And I woke up the next morning and there was 6,000 views in this video. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I went to bed that night, <laughs> mm -hmm. woke up the next day and there was 36,000 views. And I'm like, oh man. And I kind of looked through the analytics and a bunch of wrestling blogs had picked it up. And I kind of realized, all right, there's some more people out there that are appreciating these interviews more than just me. That's uh, that's cool. And that's how it happens. It's just you stumble on one thing, you keep grinding and something happens and you're like, oh, I, I'm good now. This I just need that one moment. And for you, it was the Miz. Good guy, Miz. Miz is great. So, you know, from there, I was still doing interviews whenever, you know, wrestlers would come to town or if the local independent shows had a big name, I would go out of my way to do those. But, you know, I wasn't uploading with the same volume that I'm uploading now for a while. Like it was maybe like six, seven, eight wrestling interviews a year, maybe. And I was peppering them in with the entertainment and celebrity interviews that I was already doing. So, you know, if you go through the archives of my channel, you're also seeing interviews with like Oprah and, uh, Chris Evans and, um, all, all kinds of, you know, people like that, Jared Leto and Ben Affleck and all those interviews are in there too. And then I just kind of realized every time I posted 
uh, a wrestling interview, those really got traction. And then every time I posted a celebrity interview, I actually would lose subscribers because the wrestling fans were like, what's, what's going on here? We don't, we don't want this. So, you know, I think I found my niche and, uh, it's been so much fun. Like I'm a massive fan. I'm a lifelong fan. So to be able to hang out with wrestlers, I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that. Yeah, well, I guess it depends on which wrestler you're hanging out with. I haven't, I haven't really had any bad uh, experiences. Really? No. Yeah, no. Okay. I mean, I mean, uh, there's been some interesting ones, like, uh, uh, like Brutus the Barber Beefcake's a strange interview. Um, mm. But if you look at the interview, <laughs> if you look at the interview I did with Evan Bourne, um, I'm not saying he was on something, but I'm saying if you watch the interview. <laughs> You might think that he's on something. Um, Doesn't sound he like, just like born. <laughs> he's like ferociously like rubbing his face at one point in the interview. Mm. And I'm like, are, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm. Uh, so yeah, but everyone's been really like nice and kind. And you know, the more interviews I do and the bigger names I've been getting, uh, it's been, I've been really fortunate that it's opened up the door to do, you know, some, some really interesting ones. And uh, yeah, we're off to a great start so far this year. Who is the most guarded PR savvy interview in professional wrestling right now? Uh, the one that, of the ones I've done, yeah, you mean? That you've done. Um, you're like, oh, this guy's he's good, or this woman is good. Like they're just impenetrable. They are. Uh, this is they're just too savvy and guarded. There's no way they're gonna. Open oh, up. yeah, that's John Cena. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, and I had a I had a you know really interesting chat with him, and John is you know very guarded. I think we're we're all pretty aware of that. Um, so his answers were, you know, very by the book and very guarded. And, you know, I get it. He's the, you know, poster boy, the golden boy of WWE. But I asked him a couple of questions that he, you know, dodged around. He still gave me answers to them, but he, you know, gave very safe answers. Like when I asked him about AEW, his answer was pretty safe. And then I, I said, you know, your last relationship was so public. Um, did you Do you take anything from that that you're going to, you know, put on this relationship and he was like his eyes his eyes are like darting around the room as i'm asking this question and he's like i i i learned i learned something from everything yeah you know, i i'm i i learned i learned from this interview right now i learned from you know the workout i just did i i'm i'm constantly learning i'm like oh okay all right yeah <laughs> that's not surprising but it, like his he's a really like if he ever one day opens up i would love to get like real insight into johnson because he does seem like almost like he could have been a lot more open and vulnerable years ago, but just with the stuff that's happened and the way he's built his life, it just seems like it, it, he's, he's happy with everything where I don't know. It's, he's an interesting guy because I remember that rolling stone piece on him a couple years ago where it's like, and I really came away like, Oh, this is the John Cena that everybody would like. Um, if he talked like this, if he was more normal like this and, um, the same time, part of what makes him just a, a gigantic figure and someone that Vince <laughs> can count on is the fact that he is so good at towing the company line. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's like you can't really blame guys like that for going that route because one day you might slip up and be Hulk Hogan. He has to think about stuff <laughs> like that. I remember, I think it was like the first or one of the first episodes of um, Total Divas and they went to John Cena's house. the dog one where he I, he threatens to put down Daniel Bryan's dog. Oh, I don't, I don't know if it was that, but it was John Cena was just a lot more loose and like he was swearing and I'm like, yeah. whoa, 
John Cena swears, and then like a couple episodes later, like it had all been cleaned up, and he was back to the John Cena we knew, which means like all they did was just edit it differently because they clearly didn't have the time. That show, by the way, he, he was, the was. Best part by far. Like I love, I watched that show years ago because of John Cena. Like he lectured Nikki Bella about laundry hampers one time, and it it, it was the best. I was like, I, he is a psycho. Like John Cena is a weirdo. Like he's a very weird guy that um I just appreciate because he is so anal and weird about so many different things. He has a lot of quirks that I just I very much enjoy watching on television. He's kind of Jay Cutler. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, look, I've, I've got nothing but an immense amount of respect for John Cena. And the interview that I was so, you know, incredibly grateful to get was supposed to be 10 minutes. And uh, at two points during the interview, he pulls his iPhone out of his pocket to look at the time and goes, no, no, you still got more time. Keep going. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, so what was supposed yeah. right. What was supposed to be a 10 minute interview ended up being almost 25. And it's like, wow, like that's, you know, I, I was really thankful for that. That's bigger than Tony Nese giving you 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's been the, your favorite person to talk with? I feel like it's Ziggler. Ziggler, it's like not even, it's not an interview anymore. Yeah, it's just a just, conversation. Yeah. He's just a great guy. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite, it has to be The Rock. Um, and I really, really dove into wrestling in the Attitude Era, and I was like 15, 16 years old at that time. So I was rocking around the halls of my high school, raising the people's eyebrow and telling people, it doesn't matter. So, you know, The Rock was always on my list of people I wanted to interview just as, you know, an entertainment reporter. And I knew Rock had a bunch of movies, and a lot of my colleagues were getting interviews with him, and I just wasn't getting them. So Rock was always at the top of my list. And then I actually got my first interview with the rock in a wrestling setting. It was uh, backstage Monday night, raw Cleveland, Ohio. And he was promoting his WrestleMania match with John Cena. So not only did I get the rock, you know, for longer than the movie interviews are usually four minutes long. So not only did I get the rock kind of in an unconstrained time format, I also got the rock talking about wrestling and he's everything you want him to be. He's charismatic. He's funny. He's, He's fun. He makes you feel special. And he has this like real celebrity quality about him that, uh, you know, I haven't really experienced with too many other celebrities. Who's next on your list? Is it Dasha Fuentes? Is that what I saw? That's who I'm interviewing tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah. That was um, a weird, it, like her, cause no one gets released anymore in this company unless you like ask for it. And, um, I assume that's going to be something you dive into what went on there. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm interested to see what she can and can't say about it. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. People don't really get released, uh, especially in this world with AEW kind of looming. So I wonder, I wonder what happened and um, I'm interested to hear what her take is on it. Who do you really want to get right now that you have not gotten it right in in the company? Well, Vince is the dream interview. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if that would ever happen, but I mean, can you imagine like my interviews are like 20, 30 ish minutes. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine 20, 30 minutes with Vince where you can just ask him about anything and talk to him about whatever you want? Well, Stone Cold tried that and it didn't, didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Vince would be number one. Uh Uh, I'd love an interview with Triple H and Triple H is someone who just like the rock, uh, you know, in 98, 99, 2000, I looked up to so much. I had a, poster of triple h on my bedroom wall which is very strange to say because i was like in high school so yeah i had uh, 
and you know, I had a half naked man on uh, my wall, um, being triple H. So maybe I'd leave that part out of the interview mm. if I ever talked to triple H, but, uh, he, he was a big inspiration for me. I was like, when I wasn't raising the people's eyebrow in high school, I was spitting water at people. <laughs> I'm sure that went over well in high school. Oh yeah. Real well. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's probably Paul Heyman or somebody like, I don't know. I don't really care about interviewing the stars. Like I'm more interested in the people that like have been around for a long time. have seen a lot of stuff, never really got their moment and be like, why are you still there? What is, uh, what are you holding out for? What is, um, I, I don't know. I think those guys are more interesting. Like I'm sure Curtis Axel has so many great behind the scenes stories that. I, oh, sure. Like those are the guys yeah. who are, probably feel more likely to open up and say a lot of stuff where you're like, wait, what? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I still probably Kevin Owens is up there just because I think he's still the best professional wrestler in the world. Um, I, I don't know. Cause I think he'd be genuine. And I think he's someone you would come away with like, Oh, this he's the best. Um, how do you not root for this guy on and off screen? Yeah. He, I, I would love to get the undertaker and I don't know if that's, you know, a possibility or not. It's not like he does a ton of interviews, but that'd be one that I think would be just a fascinating conversation. Yeah, there's a lot out there. I mean, you got time. I think you can get there. And this podcast should only help your cachet um, within that company and getting more guests. Um, well, you had well, Tony Khan you. on, which yeah, um, I think he follows me on Twitter. I'm pretty sure he does. Well, but look at you. I know. I know. He but follows me on Twitter, too. There you go. Um, we're, we're in the... I'm a supporter. And obviously, he's got his hands in a lot of different baskets, like his dad owns the Jaguars and all this kind of stuff. And with yeah. AEW, what... Did you feel that he was pretty genuine in his excitement in pro wrestling? How involved do you think he's actually going to be creatively and just behind the scenes? Because he is somebody that has a lot of different um, passions. Oh, my God. I mean, he is uh, a massive wrestling fan, quite possibly one of the biggest wrestling fans that I've ever talked to. Um, and a lot of my friends are crazy wrestling fans. So like he has like this rain man esque knowledge about wrestling. Like he'll, he could tell you like, Oh, it's insane. Like he could tell you a show he went to in 1998 and tell you what the third match was and exactly how that match ended. Like, like it, it's a crazy knowledge. Like he is super, super passionate. So I think he's going to be really hands on with the business side of things. Um, but he was, you know, really open about saying he hired some of the best wrestling minds in the business. Uh, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, um, the Bucks, of course, and uh, Brandy's in there, too, and uh, Jim Ross. And those are the people that are going to be making the wrestling decisions, I think. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot from the business standpoint. It was obviously his connections and his relationships that landed this TNT deal, which is big. I mean, that's a really big shot uh, at WWE. And I... The interesting thing about the whole conversation with him is he's not out like he's not outwardly saying like we're going to compete with WWE. I think that that's just going to be a byproduct of what they're doing. I think they're going to go out, do their thing, do it to the best of their ability and uh, just be an alternative. And if them being a really good alternative that provides actual, you know, in-ring wrestling happens to challenge WWE, then that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's easy to root for. Cody's easy to root for. That whole group, I'm I'm happy for them getting the TV deal because that was a big thing. Um, I am interested how long the show will be because if it's three hours, I'm I'm out immediately. But um, I think I've heard different takes on it being an hour of just a couple matches and be done, or two hours, which just seems like the sweet spot. What do you think it will be? 
Well, it, I think it'll depend on whether the show is live every week or not. Uh, and if I it's live every live. week, but I guess that's I, part I of the appeal getting the deal. Right. Live sports is just still such a huge thing. I don't know. I this is tough. So that that's a, that's that's obviously a big factor, right? If it's live, you can't just do an hour. Um, yeah. you know, everyone's, everyone's going to, you know, pay money and go to these shows to see just an hour. That doesn't make sense. But then if it's pre-taped, now you've got the problem with spoilers getting out there, yeah. which, you know, people are going to read anyway. So that's going to be the real deciding factor here. And, and plus, if they're going to go live every single week from, I mean, we don't know if they're going to be touring. They don't, we don't know if they'd have a home base, yeah. you know, kind of like the impact zone did. There's a lot of unanswered questions. It's really cool that we can speculate about this, and it's cool that you know they announced this on January 1st that AEW is going to exist, and here we are four and a half months later, super excited, and they haven't even had one second of a match yet. I mean, this is just a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, um, I think the home base thing is good, and I think the tape stuff, like I think every pro wrestling show should be taped personally because I don't think these companies can, especially – WWE where they they just they're not capable of book like the wildcard rule and everything going on this week and like they literally recreated the same segment to open both shows um it, it mind-boggling just how dumb this company is sometimes and lazy but <laughs> I I just I think the reason NXT is so good and people are so invested at takeover is because they know the stories are laid out months in advance they know that this is all taped and there's they're going to actually get a payoff to this stuff that they there's a plan in place there are divisions in place it's all flowing and just I I think pro wrestling is just better when it's taped because you just you force yourself into a storyline and you stick with it you force yourself into kind of sticking to a plan and like writing that script and i mean you can edit things here and there but i i really do think it's just always going to be difficult for this company to survive writing stuff week to week that's why road dog left he hated like script changes on the fly and all this kind of stuff so how do you get people to really bite into stuff and get emotionally invested in something where they're like we might not even see them next week like the viking warriors or whatever weren't even on this week and then you have just like there's so many random things that happen and i there's no clear plan and it's all extremely frustrating um i think the smackdown tag title division is dead i i just i don't understand any of it well the downside to uh doing a taped show or the downside to doing an hour-long show is you're not going to see all your talent right maybe not even you know every month like definitely not every week uh like so that's that's one of the downsides to this but look i've been to i've been everything i've been a ring of honor i've been a lucha i've been a tna and you know countless indie shows one of the best experiences i ever had was seeing lucha underground and Hmm. the thing that was so fascinating about it is it's a tv show when you go to their taping it's you're not seeing a wrestling show you're seeing like a tv taping there is long extended pauses between uh, the matches uh the entrance music wasn't even played inside there but when they got in the ring and they started working my god uh the wrestling was not only so incredible the actual in-ring work was so good um but the crowd was small and intimate and so intense and it really added that experience so i don't know i, I don't know you know we we're not going to know for a while what aew's plans are but there is a way to do, you know, tape stuff correctly. When you've talked to a lot of different WWE people, do you get the sense that most are content or most uh, annoyed with their place in the company? Where, what is their 
Um, cause I think about like the NBA and like that really good piece, uh, by Jackie McMullen from a couple months back of the mental health of, um, superstars and always checking their phones and just the constant, uh, just like you can see with Kevin Durant, how much it affects him. Like, sure. Like they, they take this stuff personally and I'm sure WWE talent are constantly looking at the, like they, they know YouTube views. They know how much this company values stuff like that. So they're looking to see, okay, how many clicks are we getting from my segment? How many, like all that stuff matters into where they get positioned in the company. If they get title runs featured in storylines, like, do you think that they're by and large happy with where they are at? Or do you get the sense that a lot are kind of frustrated? Well, if I'm talking to someone that's currently employed by the company i mean everything in their mind is fine i mean they're not gonna say anything especially with wwe pr people there right um but the interviews i've done with people who have recently left um like darren young or like damian sandow they're or, or justin roberts although that was you know he left like four and a half years ago they're they're just they don't like the way that things are being run mm-hmm. um like damian sandow sandow is a perfect example of a guy who you know, had a had a mega push and had, you know, the fans were eating out of the palm of his hand no matter what he did. He was given the worst gimmicks ever, and he still would make it work. And you talk to a guy like that, and it's just it's just frustration because uh, you know they they've got like a ceiling, and they can't bust through that no matter what they try to do. Uh, you know, it's it's like there's three guys that have the ability to like there'll be three guys, three superstars who are being pushed and. No matter how hard you're trying, you're just stuck there in the mid to low card, and that's it. Yeah, and I don't know what you do. Like, if you're the revival, like, this is all getting weird, and I don't know if this is the best approach from the company being, like, like when you see that AEW is trying to be the basically, like, the player's first company, and then you yeah. have Vince and friends just, like, openly being... Uh, disagreeable and kind of petty and vindictive towards their talent and just adding on time and like just it's really weird that they've taken like this strong like we're gonna screw over uh, so much of our talent um while the other company is just like oh yeah come here we'll give you great contracts we'll do this you'll have input into the storylines we're not gonna have writers all this other stuff like I, i think it's weird that they're choosing to position themselves as the company where it's like once you get here like we might add another year and a half on your contract we're gonna make you hate your life for an extended period of time and we will feel no sympathy at all towards it it's it's very strange that it seems like that's their reaction to the aew stuff and talent wanting out because guess what they have too many guys they should be accepting they do. this like that's a good thing and they might come back as a better brand than when they left because that happens like there's something like i don't think ty dillinger is going to be better off because ty dillinger's not good like that's not like <laughs> whatever I, I just let him go and that's what they do hey, I, I, ty dillinger has a full slate of uh, indie buttons oh, like God. i think he's i think ty dillinger's you know he, i think he's going to be fine for the next couple of years and then he'll be fine you know, he'll figure it out good. from like, there he's not gonna be a star he's not a oh good come on he's not what is he good at give me a ty dillinger actually good thing his gimmick was so over. His gimmick Perfect was good. Perfect 10 was a great gimmick. Yeah, yeah. It has a shelf life. Okay, how many Royal Rumbles can he come out at number 10 before it's like, okay, is there anything else here? It's like the Elias stuff. Well, two. I think he can come out at two. And that was it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I think on paper, AEW looks very attractive. Um, and, but, you know, this is all just talk right now until we start to see what happens. Uh, May 25th, I think it's going to be a real line in the sand where we start to see, okay, this is uh, what AEW is all about, or at least this is, you know, kind of uh, a taste of what AEW is all about. But we're not really going to know uh, what AEW is doing until a couple months into their TV product. And 
it's you know it's great right now to say AEW's better, they're doing this better or that better. We honestly really don't know. It all sounds really good right now, and it's not a knock on AEW because I'm super excited for what they're going to bring. But I think we just have to take this with a grain of salt and go. All right, it it all sounds really good. Now let's see if you can perform too. Yeah, but I like Dean Ambrose. Have you talked to him before? Uh, no. Well, I very very briefly I talked to the Shield like a couple of years ago, but okay. I haven't you know, I haven't had a full interview with him. He's someone where it's like, I don't want him in AEW. The best thing about Dean Ambrose is not his wrestling. Like He's a very, very boring wrestler. I, if I never watch a Dean Ambrose match again, I'm, I'm okay. But the mic work and his interest in character development, like where Dean Ambrose should go is Impact. Like Impact's the, I think Impact is the best professional wrestling show week in, week out right now. Um, it's great. I love all of their talent there. I like what they're building. I like Don Callis and that group a lot. And I trust um, what they're doing. Um, do I think they'll ever break back through? Do they need to change their name and all this other stuff? Probably. But they went back to a home base. They're in Toronto. Like the show is just good. And that's a show where they, it, it's presented in a way where it's like, oh, you could really unlock some cool John Moxley stuff that he was just not able to do um in the climate of wwe so like at people are like AEW, and i'm like ah, no thanks that's gonna be a sport heavy centric show where like they want to present it as just like the best athletes and professional wrestlers in the world wrestling each other um i don't think that's the best place for him i think he belongs in a character focused environment i think that's what impact does really well right now like that's what i'm pulling for i, I hope that's where he goes and i look i think there was a time when people were excited when talent had the ability to go to tna uh, but then TNA kind of ruined that by just taking like the leftovers of anyone that was willing to go there. Right. It was strategic, TN- like with Christian and Kurt Angle and guys like that mixing oh, yeah. their styles and um, their right. and, and talent. Yeah. Like I love I love Christian. I think he's you know incredibly talented. But to have Christian immediately go there and be in the title picture just didn't make a lot of sense. How like, dare and, you? As the biggest Christian mark in uh, the and, podcasting world. Well, and that's fine, but I'm just saying, what a slap in the face, too, to like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and and Christopher Daniels, like guys who have legitimately worked to be in that title picture. And here comes nothing against Christian, but a mid Carter from WWE who's now going to be, you know, your your top guy. It just it's a it's a strange thing. Yeah. Um, Are you excited about Money in the Bank this Sunday? I, 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 I'm, it's one of the few pay-per-views I get excited about. Um, no, I'm excited to see what they do because when you look at the men's, uh, money in the bank match, legitimately any guy in that match could win and it would make sense. So I'm really interested to see which way they go with that. Um, now that Alexa bliss, who is my pick uh, in the women's match is out. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens there too. Are we the sure other we matches, seen her yeah. last match in a professional ring? Oh, you think? This is adding up, man, and this is really weird. She's getting pulled it is. again. I, this is a bad. It feels very Daniel Bryany. It does, but look, he's back. Um, he is back. Um, it, I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like I'm gonna wake up one morning and it's gonna read Alexa Bliss forced to retire. I mean, it happened quickly for Paige for different reasons, but they're so yeah. careful with stuff like this. And the fact that she, by all reports, it seems like she had another concussion, and that's why she's getting pulled. I, they don't mess around with this stuff. And I like she's so good as a talker anyway. They did that yeah. with Paige seamlessly, which I miss her on television each week. But um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. It sucks because Alexa Bliss is like one of she she's in the wrong era, I guess. That drives me nuts because if she was around 
um, just 10 years ago. Like, I just yes. think she would be a much bigger star just because she would have fit in. She would have had better people to work with on the mic. Like, no one can talk anymore. Like, putting her in a segment with Bailey, who can't talk at all, um, <laughs> and then Sasha, who's just not a believable talker and a bad actor, too. And then Natalia, like, they're all bad. And then you have Alexa Bliss, who's just incredible on the mic, and she has no one really to work with. It's, it's very frustrating for me to watch. Well, the fact that she was the host of WrestleMania, you know, that, that definitely lends in, lends itself to your theory here. But uh, I really hope that's not the case. She's in, very talented in the ring, supremely talented on the mic like you're talking about. And she's uh, very easy on the eyes as well. That is correct. Um, and hey, Chris, she is single now. Yeah, well, I know. She's, uh, she's also the best smelling wrestler what? I've ever interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. She just... She smells exactly how you would uh, want her to smell. And I mean that in the best possible way, not like in a creepy way. Um, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler is also uh, a very uh, nice smelling man. But, you know, like but he I, doesn't want to look like that, though. Like he wants to look very <laughs> raggedy and just like always out. I don't know. He, I feel like that's not the vibe he wants to give off with his attire every day. I think that Dolph Ziggler, you talk about someone who was in the wrong era. I think Dolph Ziggler like would be much better suited to be in the like 80s. Uh, yeah, he told me he told me he doesn't own a single shirt with sleeves. I, I think that. I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I, mean, I do. Even in WCW in the 90s, I think he would have just had a lot more fun. And I think he was it with you where he said, like, if he was taller, he'd be WWE champion right now. Yeah. Yeah. He said if he was uh, I can't remember the exact quote because I was like five or six years ago that interview. But I think he said if I was four inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, I'd be the champion five times. Something along those lines. And, and I I'm agree. Like, yeah. It's it's true. Like I think that I think that Dolph just kind of missed the window by like five ish years. Because imagine him in like uh, NXT with the you know if he were to be able to come up through NXT and be the amazing star that he is and then go to the main roster. Oh my god, it'd be it'd be such a different story for him. Yeah, I mean he's sneaky old. He's thirty eight. He turns thirty nine this summer. He looks good. He does. He looks, yeah, he looks youthful and he's in great shape. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think we might see him back sometime this summer. I think we might. In New Japan or in WWE? Oh, oh I, he's still under contract with WWE. How does that work? Like the high, he, is he just playing it all up or is it like a negotiating thing or is it just, what is that? I, I don't know the specifics of it, but I would have to guess that, uh, He's talked a lot, not just with me, but in other interviews too, that, you know, he's never really had time off. Yeah. I mean, the, the most time off he's had was like, like on injuries and he was still on TV, like cutting promos like the next week. So I think what he was basically saying to me when I did that interview with him at the Royal Rumble was he's like, I, I need people to have a chance to miss me. Right. Like how, how am I going to get over again or reinvent myself if, if you just saw me two weeks ago? Yeah. So I think that this is a vacation. I think that this is a hiatus. I think that he's still around when they need him. Like he just posted something today that he's uh, making an appearance at a, um, I think a comic convention in Australia under the WWE banner. So he's still with the company. I just think that uh, we're going to see, I think they're going to bring Dolph Ziggler in maybe for like a SummerSlam or something like that and make it have a real impact. Would he be okay? What if he re-debuted? Like, did the Tyler Breeze thing. What if he debuted again on NXT and he, like, did a headlining uh, title match against Adam Cole or something? 
I, I would love that. That would be great. I mean, He's the perfect guy to send back down. Like it, he, it's not an emotion anymore. It's another brand. Like I wonder um, if he got pitched that of like, hey, do you want to just go back down to NXT for a little bit and just work with some of the best talent in the world and just put on these barn burner Iron Man matches with our top guys <laughs> for a couple months? He, but he he's so over in like when his music hits, uh, you know, people still like give him a massive reaction. So I don't know if uh, I mean, NXT would be great for him to really showcase what he can do in the ring. But if they wrote this storyline well and he returned at SummerSlam or something leading up to that or I don't Survivor Series, something big, uh, it could really make sense if if they did it right. Yeah. So what do you make of the wild card rule after a couple of weeks um it, i figured this would lead to one big problem which is overexposure of the guys they already like so you have roman <laughs> reigns opening each show shane being everywhere the miz being everywhere like it's they're just doubling up the guys they already liked to begin with and it's not actually helping more people get on tv it's just it's hurting the mid card and the title picture for smackdown um they're like it's it's not good if you're not one of Vince's favorite people right now. No, you're, you nailed it. I, I hate it. I've always, I hate the brand split. I always have like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Be, like, this is what I hate about the brand split. Cause they'll go, this guy's a raw guy. This guy's a SmackDown guy. And then three weeks later, the raw guy shows up on SmackDown and they go, what's he doing here? <laughs> he's not supposed to be here. It's like, I know he's not supposed to be here. Why is he here? Or, or like they'll have someone like a John Cena, like, well, he's a free agent. Which he they can don't go know what that word wants. means. I wrote about this several <laughs> times where it, you can tell they just don't watch sports at all. There's no quality <laughs> control where it's like, that's not how a free agent works. You don't get to play for everybody. That means you play for nobody. Yes. No, you're yes. thinking about a contract where a two way contract or something like that. You're not think they're not a free agent. That's not what that means. Yeah. I, I hate the two belt thing. I, I hate it all. Uh, I, I, I want to go back to like, if you if you're a, a WWE superstar, you will appear on Raw and SmackDown, or Raw and or SmackDown. And that's and that's just how it is. And the problem is they have too many people. And I think the other bigger problem that no one's really talking about is I think WWE might have too many live events, mm. and that that really weighs their schedule down. Um, and I'm not, you know, obviously it works for them. They're making a ton of money doing it. Um, but I think if they cut back on the live events, they could maybe space out their the schedule a little bit better my biggest issue with them and i think it's something that they'll never have to worry about just because they've they've won this is that they they made the change the difference between if you watch the attitude era raws versus now is they build their programming around social media so they have segments characters don't interact with different ones there's not rivalries and there's not like oh i don't like you because i didn't like you from this one thing a year and a half ago that that's not a thing anymore there's no just like they're doing like three minutes here okay how is this going to look on hulu how is this going to look here? Like that's what their biggest concern is because they make so much from that social media revenue and yep. they just want to be king there and they won. Like they don't have to actually book a show around storytelling or anything like that. They're like, I, I really do believe it's just like, okay, here's going to be our five minute clip. Like people can show up for five minutes. Like Apollo Crews went out, done, 
that was the end of his segment. He could go home, whatever. Like, there's just no continuity and there's no interactions. Like, the women's division doesn't really interact with the men at all. Why isn't Becky Lynch... I mean, I understand, like, the New Day stuff she did a little bit, but ultimately that's a rarity like alexa bliss should be talking to different people and i i'm with you on the brand split just never being a good idea because this company has shown they can't do that anyway and if you're fox you're like yeah why do we only get half the roster for paying this amount of money that's it's still your company it's not it makes no sense to to do that and with ratings down like i would i would go nuclear here I would call. I would literally disband <laughs> NXT. Like I would turn it back into FCW, where it's not on TV. Take it off the network. NXT UK, Two Hundred Five Live. You're all available to come on Raw and SmackDown. Just build everything around those two shows and start over. That's what I would do. But, but then you have too many people. Well, no, then I'd also have, release like a third of the roster. But you'd have to. Yeah, you'd have to. So look, I think a lot of really interesting things are going to happen this fall. One is going to be AEW making television, which I think is scaring. Vince and WWE. The other interesting thing is it going to Fox. And this is exciting for me because the station I work for is a Fox station and we're going to have SmackDown, which is awesome. Uh, But Fox as a big network is going to have some say in this. And I think that the combination of the AEW factor and the Fox factor is really going to affect what WWE television looks like in six months. Well, it means that Brock Lesnar and, uh, Ronda Rousey might be champions on SmackDown sooner rather than later. <laughs> it, that, that could be the case. Um, I'm, I would just be very interested to see uh, if Fox doesn't you know, kind of push for SmackDown to be the bigger show. Because it will, it will inevitably have bigger ratings. Will it? Do we know that? It will. Well, Fox is available in more households than USA. So I mm. would think they would, it would be available. I mean, inevitably, since more people can watch... Why wouldn't it have bigger ratings then? That's fair. Um, right? Like anyone can get Fox with an antenna mm-hmm. for free, you know, and you have to be a actual, you know, you have to have a cable provider to get USA Network. And that's actually a negative for SmackDown's feature because part of the reason we loved SmackDown, just especially the SmackDown of the last couple of years, was that it was kind of the forgotten about show where it felt like Vince's influence was less on that program versus yeah. Raw. And now if it becomes the A show, then you already have Raw, which cannot be fixed because it's three hours. Like you can't fix a three hour wrestling show. It's just too long and it's impossible to make it feel not like a just a long, just over written over whatever slog. Like it's just always going to feel like a slog. It's just too long. It's long. And yeah. you can't beat that. Uh, like they can't give up that money. They're not going to give up the revenue of the third hour. So I, I don't know. I don't think you can save Raw. But SmackDown being two hours... You can save it, but I, I really do feel like they're going to go to three hours once they move to Fox. And then it's just like, God, oh, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I, I don't know if I can take six hours of the two main shows a week, plus AEW, plus Impact sometimes, plus NXT. There's just too much content. Like there is such a thing as too much content. Well, networks are in a tough position because people aren't watching television live like they were even 10 years ago. Um and WWE provides one of the very few shows that you need to be watching live or, you know, in theory, you should be watching live other than sports and maybe Game of Thrones, which ends this Sunday. Um, there's nothing else that like when eight o'clock rolls around that you go, I got to watch this. And, you know, their WWE having that is making it very valuable for USA Network and very valuable for Fox. I bet you if USA Network could have Raw be six hours, they would totally do that. 
Yeah, they would. And it's just it, like this. The thing is, like Vince doesn't have to care about those little things because it's like he made more money than ever last year. He, I, I think people overthink how concerned he is with ratings and stuff like that. Where he's like, no, I made a lot of money. XFL looks like it's going to be much better this time around versus what happened last time. I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for optimism if you're Vince McMahon where it's like I, I don't think he's really that worried because I don't think the diehards will ever really leave I think you're just trying to get a little bit more and be stable I think he just wants to be lukewarm okay whatever and make a killing on all the other um, revenue streams that he has I, I don't think Vince is sweating at all uh, and you know you mentioned uh, you know how WWE is made for like social media and I don't think people realize how big WWE's YouTube channel is right. and like when you look at the numbers I think they have the like the second most subscribers or second most video views, one or the other in the world. Like that's, they're making yes. something like just Google AdSense. They're making something like a million or $2 million a day on their channel. Like that's, people don't realize that, that. That's what I'm saying. Like that's where they, that's where they really want to hit home and really knock shit out of the park. And they have, they, yeah. they control it. Like they, they won that. Oh yeah. Oh, be, beyond any other channel and they're really good at uh you know if, if me or you chase upload something that's wwe uh that has some of their video in it to youtube it gets taken down extremely quickly right so you know they've they've cornered the market on that and they're doing an awesome job with that so you're right it's when you've got all these different revenue streams um you don't need to worry about ratings as much but i would imagine that vince is a you know competitive guy and it's not like he wants to you know be losing viewers yeah, I mean, then again, he's like, I, you, you can all leave. I still got social. I, I'm still going to make my money, um, whatever. Uh, I don't know. He just seems like, I, I don't know. I could talk about Vince all day, and this is why we need to get him on your show so we can get That's to right. the bottom of this. Um, Let's make it happen. <laughs> do you think Vince is going to stick with Becky long term? Do you think he looks at Becky as part of the ratings drop? Like, she's been featured. I mean, I think it's just, I don't think it's a Becky thing at all, but... Um, do you think he'll pivot? Because I remember seeing a couple of reports on that a couple weeks ago, of like worrying about building the company around Becky Lynch. Well, he obviously, you know, really likes Charlotte, and he's clearly building uh, the women's division and a lot of the company around her. Um, and Lacey Evans. <laughs> yeah, which is gr- good for Lacey, but this yeah. is that's kind of come out of nowhere. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, Becky's kind of lost her shine. Um, the the shine that she had going into the Royal Rumble, coming out of the Royal Rumble. I'm I'm still a little annoyed that she was able to even legally enter the Royal Rumble because um, she didn't have a spot in the Royal Rumble. And then when someone else who had a spot in the Royal Rumble um, entered, and then Becky Lynch just kind of beat them up, thinking, well, that's not how you. That's anyway, that's breaking the rules. Um, I just think that her shine is kind of uh, is kind of going away, and I I don't know if they can do something to freshen that up. Maybe she drops the belt and starts chasing, or drops the belts and starts chasing. That would be uh, I think that that might be a more interesting way to do it. Also, just focus on one belt. You know, it's cool that she's Becky two belts, but are we going to unify them? Or are we going to split them up? What are we doing with that? I mean, if they keep this wild card stuff up for six more months, they have to unify all these belts. Like this is yes. ridiculous. You can't. I do completely it. agree. Can you can you imagine explaining this to a non wrestling fan? Like, 
yeah, no, this guy's the champion, but he's only the champion on Mondays. Uh, and then this guy's the champion as well, but he's the champion on Tuesdays. Yeah, it's like you have it's the like, WWE champion and the Universal champion. Okay, what makes one better than the other? Why wouldn't you want to be the WWE champion? And well, it's like it's an IP <laughs> show. So it's like, why are people, what? Uh, yeah, it's it's all bad. Yeah, and uh, I, I just, yeah, I've, I've always hated that. I, I hated it back in the day when like they had the WWE championship and then out of nowhere they brought back like the big gold belt and they're like, all right, now we just magically have the world heavyweight championship and Triple H, you're going to be the champion just because we said so. Like, Wrestling is okay. done. Why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> What's really fascinating about wrestling is how much can change week to week and month to month. Like if you stopped watching today and then you picked back up like a month from now and someone explained to you like all of the stuff that had happened over the course of all of the shows, you'd be like, my God, all that happened in four weeks? That's crazy. Sasha Banks won the belt, lost it, and walked out in the company again in a month? <laughs> but seriously, so much happens, and that's because there, you know, there's so much programming that they have. Yeah, It's a, it's a good problem to have, but it's, it's a problem right now. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to pivot. Um, do you think you'll ever get CM Punk? In, a, in an interview? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I got CM Punk kind of randomly on a red carpet at the uh, AP Music Awards. That was was the one where he said he was never coming back, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. um, And that was just, you know, completely fluke. But he was in great spirits when I interviewed him. I don't know. I think I'd have to kind of like how the Tony Khan interview came together for me. That was Jericho putting in a good word for me. and Mm -hmm. Tony Khan going, yeah, I'd love to. You know, Jericho says you're great. So let's do it. Uh, I think it would take someone putting me over to CM Punk to make that happen. And I don't know who has that pull. I know know? it's not Colt Cabana. (laughs) Right. And I've met Colt many times. He's awesome. Uh, But you're right. Um, Yeah, I don't even know who's closest confidant. Have you interviewed AJ before? No. Uh, And my buddy sent me, my buddy who's not a wrestling fan at all, lives in Chicago and sent me a screenshot of an email. He's like, oh, this, this wrestler, AJ, is, is coming and doing this event. It'd be really cool if you could interview him. And I'm like, oh, well, first of all, it's not, it's not a him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And second of all, like, that's a really big interview. And like, I, it was something I was out of town or something. I'm like, I would totally f- have flown to Chicago to make that happen. And it just didn't work out. He's like, well, now you know, like, now you know the publicist info. And I'm like, that's a good point. So I've got a kind of an in there but the thing with most of these interviews is and this is and anyone that's listening to this that is trying to do interviews or trying to do any anything like this for a living you need to realize that you have to look at it from the perspective of the person that you are interviewing like what's in it for them and you know what's in it for aj lee to do an interview with me right now and the answer is pretty much nothing well book publicity maybe yeah, possibly. Yeah, that, that would be that would be the only hook. And what's what's in it for CM Punk to do an interview with me? Uh, other than you know maybe plugging, he was doing some commentary, right? I don't even. So was he? I don't. Even he was know doing like that. MMA commentary. Oh I think. yeah, I did see something about that. Yeah. So like, I, I think that they they need they either need a push, you know, like, or they have something to say, or they have something to promote. And uh, I don't think that AJ or Punk, you know, really have a need to do interviews. So. Until that thing comes around that they have to promote something, I think I'll just sit and keep waiting. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It it should be interesting to see what happens there. Do you think Tony Khan's going to make a real push for him? I think he did. He did. Um, I think he did. I think he made a real push to get CM Punk, and I think wanted to really you know build around Punk being the big get. And I don't think it came through. And then if we're to believe the rumors, I think he made a really big push to get AJ Styles too. Um, and who knows? You know, if AEW ends up being everything that you know everybody wants it to be maybe those guys will come over, you know, without a second thought. Um, but I think that Tony Khan made a real big push to get CM Punk. And I think that if I were to speculate, this is just me as a fan speculating. I think that CM Punk just doesn't want to wrestle anymore. Yeah. I would, I just, he'd be so good to have just as like the lead, like creative guy. Like I would love to, like, even if he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, what if he just joined up and was like the ultimate backstage producer? And just work with all of them and just got to hang out with those guys and didn't put his body through the grind, but um, was kind of the creative lead. But because uh, he does, he writes, he does comic book stuff. Like he's clearly into writing and creative, the creative process that I think even if he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, like him getting involved in that front, I think still would be incredibly valuable because I, he still just has one of the, one of the best minds in this business. He obviously has a real bad taste in his mouth yeah. from what happened with WWE. And, you know, I, he, he went through a lot there. And, you know, if you've, if you've listened to the interviews he's done since about, you know, the time he had there and the disagreements he had, the injuries he had, and the Z packs that he took and <laughs> everything else there, he clearly has a really bad taste in his mouth. It, it sounds to me kind of like, you know, you were you you had this you know beautiful girlfriend like the the head cheerleader that you had this idea of how great she was going to be and then you started dating her and realizing that there were all these problems and she's not as awesome as you think and now you're completely you know turned off from dating for a while and it kind of sounds like he might be in that same position he's just like turned off from wrestling and it just sucks because that was his identity for so long he tried the ufc stuff obviously that did not work out but it's like okay if that doesn't work out what are you gonna do and maybe he's content just hanging out with his uh, his dog. What's Larry and uh, AJ? Um, I, I don't they, know. Uh, clearly, he doesn't want to you know grind right now, and that's right. okay. Like he doesn't he doesn't need to. He's at a point in his life where he doesn't need to grind, and he's probably pretty happy doing what he's doing. Not like he needs the money, um, but I I think that everyone in life, um, you know, whether you're on CM Punk's level or you're on the level that you know you or I are at, or you know whoever's listening to this, I think you need fulfillment. And, uh, I, I wonder if he's living his days, you know, completely fulfilled. Like, uh, is he chasing after something and constantly, you know, having a goal that he's, you know, working out after. I don't know what that is. I hope, I don't know either. I hope he figures it out because he's someone who, um, I don't know. I, I think post wrestling athletes are always interesting things to follow like john cena the rock guys like that they just stumbled into another career that they can do for years and years but like most wrestlers can't do that and once their body's gone it's like okay now what do i start a podcast on podcast one obviously but if i'm not going to do that um what do i do and you kind of have to figure stuff out like the the former athlete stuff once that's gone it's just it's sad sometimes it's really cool sometimes they get to you get to see a different side of them but like it's tough to work your whole yeah. life for something and then change gears for your whole second act. And it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating, but it's also very tough. Well, and I don't want to speak for CM Punk, but maybe he is, you know, completely fulfilled. Maybe he's loving every single day. And if he is, that's amazing. And, you know, we should be super happy for him. Absolutely. 
All right, Chris. Well, this is this has been great. Actually, no. One quick thing. Uh, what are your Money in the Bank picks? Um, and then we'll get out of here. So, uh, like every match, or yeah, just so like let's do every one? match. <laughs> well, if, if I say, if I, I were to I tell honestly, you that the Usos are in the SmackDown uh, tag team title match, would you believe me? Uh, are they? Yes, they are on the pre-show. They're not on SmackDown, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, they're the wild card this week. Sure, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I think that uh, in the men's Money in the Bank, like really, like I said earlier. Anyone could be a legitimate winner, and we would look at that and go, yeah, of course. If Ricochet won, that'd be awesome. If Braun Strowman run, won, that'd be awesome. If uh, Randy Orton won, like it would make sense. Anyone in that match makes sense. I think that uh, if Braun Strowman were to be given a legitimate run, I think that that would be great. Uh, that's, that's who I'm going to go with for my pick there. Uh, in the women's match, I would love to see Ember Moon get a real run. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but Boy, that'd be awesome. The Ember stuff. She's so bad at acting. Did you see that promo she did like in the video this week? I, I want to like Ember Moon. She's a great in-ring performer. But oh, oh so god. good. Oh my god, the promos are just. I, I don't know what her character is. What is the Ember Moon character? Has she ever been given time, like on a SmackDown, to just talk about who she is? Like Alistair Black's getting these monologues every week, but like. What have they done with Ember Moon to make you like, oh, what is this person? Like, what is the nature? Like, Nikki Cross was probably like my favorite thing about wrestling this week of there was some continuity there. She was like, I was called up. I've been floating and I've been kind of forgotten about. And um, then she teams up with Alexa and she has this great showing and she wins. Like, I hope Nikki Cross wins the women's match. And that would be that'd be very entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about that. Um, anybody. What do you think? Do you think that do you think that? Yes. For sure, but uh, like I think Natalia's in a great role as the veteran. She puts a lot of people over. And... What if Bray Wyatt debuted at Money in the Bank? I don't know. We've been through this with Bray Wyatt so many times. I've been, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying his his work right now. It's cool, but I also yeah. know that he's eventually gonna have to wrestle. And then I'm gonna be like, oh god, he's still Bray Wyatt. Okay. I Did don't, you enjoy I think... his wrestling? Have you ever been like, what a great Bray Wyatt match? I, I thought that Bray Wyatt was really solid in the ring. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, really solid. Yeah. Not my cup I, of tea. I'll say that. Okay. That's, no, that's fine. No problem. But that's even okay. The guys who aren't necessarily my cup of tea, like the SmackDown Fatal 4 match with uh, Andrade, Ali, Balor, and Randy was so well done because Randy is like, Brandon Stroud of Uprox put it nicely where it's like he's at his best when he's in like it like he's clearly can't keep up with these guys but like he knows his spots where like the ollie flip into the rko was just great where he just he's the center of attention and all the super athletes move around him and navigate everything and it, it's cool like i think that is best case scenario for somebody like bray wyatt that's why yeah. Baron Corbin's really good in multi-man matches where he just catches people by surprise he doesn't have to do all the work and he looks a lot better in that front um so I don't know. I think for the men's, <sighs> actually, I'm gonna go Drew McIntyre. I think that, oh, that makes the most sense. Yeah. Oh, no, he's just. Yeah. I don't like putting that kind of stuff on people that are cool. Like they're not in cool, not in like the <laughs> they're cool as in like they're just not red hot. So like, what is the point? Like giving them this, it should be like a thing where it's like people are biting at the chance to see this person get a title shot. Like that's how well, it who's, should be. Who's red hot in the, in the men's match then? Oh, it's not Sami Zayn, Ricochet. I don't know, Finn Balor. I think it's Andrade. Okay. I would probably go Andrade. Like he's, and he was so damn good in that match. Like Andrade is just, 
he is everything I love about a professional wrestler right now. Okay. Um, I would do it with him. He had a really just lackluster run um, on SmackDown this past year, but I, I do like Andrade a lot. I would, I would go Andrade. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at Mustafa Ali at all. Um, I think he doesn't. His name's Ali, by the way. No, it's not. Um, I will never do that ever. I, I will go against that for the like until they change it back, which I I hold out hope that they might do it. Um, I don't know. I the women's well, Apollo just, Apollo Cruz got you know his full name back. He did. Um, Cesaro does not anymore though. I just some of them are fine. Like Rusev is better than Alexander Rusev. Like that's some of them are better than others. But like I liked Antonio Cesaro. Okay. Yeah, it sounded like yeah, I would agree. I asked. I I saw him at um, uh, the uh, at WrestleMania, and I said, "Did you have to change your autograph when when they dropped your name?" And he kind of like gave me this big sigh, and he's like, "Uh, I uh, just I had an A. It used to be A Cesaro. Now it's just a big C." And I'm like, "Oh, that kind of sucks." <laughs> <laughs> How many? Like, I wonder what the the conversations like where it's like, I don't think you're getting over uh, Cesaro, and he's like, "Well, uh, there might be some reasons." He's like. And I think it's the first name. <laughs> I think if we drop the first name, ratings will change, and you will suddenly be the next rock. So congratulations on the shortening yeah. of your name. <laughs> it doesn't move the needle, so why do it? Like SmackDown's ratings do not go up or down, whether or not it's Andrade Cien Almas or just Andrade. I don't understand this over analyzing of these names too. Like what the? Why? It's all dumb. Yeah. It's all very dumb. Vince needs to stop. That's. <laughs> I've been saying this for like fifteen years. Vince needs to stop. I, and I think that, uh, you know, CM Punk said in his pipe bomb that WWE is going to change when Vince dies. And, and not that I want Vince to die at all, especially not before doing an interview with me. Um, be a weird but, interview. When tri- <laughs> but when Triple H becomes like the main person, I, I think the product's going to change a lot. Yeah, we'll have like uh, 19 different NXTs to watch each week. NXT great. UK, NXT Australia, <laughs> NXT South America. Like it's, it'll be great. Yeah. Kit, more content, more NXT. <laughs> what could, what could we want more? Um, the more wrestling content. Two or five live goes to three hours. Yes, let's do it. Um, Dude, that's not all Triple H. I don't think. I mean, those are all of his babies, like the Cruiserweight Classic. Like I do, like Triple H. Yeah, is, those like, are all great, about though. like expanding the global reach. Like he wants like NXTs all over the world. Yeah, that's his thing. I, he wants to have I, all these little indie brands. Well, I think it's. I think that that's just better for wrestling as a whole, though. I don't know. It's not better for me. I, I will okay. <laughs> I want <laughs> that's less. all that matters. Yes, it's all about me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you gotta think. That's honestly with my wrestling stuff. You have to look at it from my perspective. Like I just am like, oh, what would I enjoy more in professional wrestling? Oh, less of it. That's how I would enjoy. It. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's just my take. Um, Chris, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, where can we find you on YouTube and? Um, all that anything i know we talked about your interview tomorrow with dasha fuentes uh, but is there anything else we need to look out on your end uh, i'm i'm posting as many interviews as i can um and i just actually came out with merch for the first time so if you want uh, cvv merchandise uh check out my instagram so instagram twitter facebook uh and youtube it's all just my name chris van fleet v-a-n-v-l-i-e-t I know, like we talked about at the start of the show, it might be uh, spelt weird, but it is pronounced Van Vliet. Um, and, you know, a big thank you for having me on the show. And a big thank you to anyone who's ever watched any of my interviews or anyone that subscribes. Like, I'm a fan. 
just like you, just like everybody. And the fact that I have the opportunity to sit down with these wrestlers is awesome. So I hope that people can appreciate that I do these interviews as a fan, as a, as a fan with a journalist background, but as a fan who's just inquisitive and asking questions and trying to have interesting conversations. Well, you do a great job, and uh, I'm excited to see the Dasha interview tomorrow, and we'll have to have you back on the podcast again pretty soon, man. Let's do it. I'd love to. Chase, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Chris. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.